Welcome to the NFL Week 10 Market Outlook. I'm Brett Matthew, along with my co-host Judah Fortgang, and special guest this week, Caleb Betts, makes frequent appearances on the Book It Surgical Stream, more of a prop specialist, whereas Judah and I, we dab- dabble in props for sure, but wouldn't say that's our primary focus. So. Bringing Caleb to the table adds a nice compliment to what we do here. Hear some of his thoughts as we recap week nine, look at some of the market consensus power rankings, and then move in to previewing week 10. So as we look at our week nine drive quality scoreboard, again, giving us a sense of how these teams played from a drive-by-drive perspective, give us a more accurate sense of how these teams actually formed an X-ray seeing through that final score. We'll be releasing a note on this actually pretty soon to give a deeper dive on exactly the methodology, give you more insight into the process and how we're coming to some of these conclusions. But Judah, anything when you take a look at this that sticks out to you, not representative of some of those final scores that we saw on Sunday? A couple of things are a little surprising to me. One, the Packers, they seem to actually move the ball fine. The issues were just red zone turnovers, but perhaps it really was only those drives that they were able to generate any offense. Another thing that really sticks out is that the Bears actually come out on top against the Dolphins here, which I think in most people's heads, the Dolphins are the superior team. They were leading most of the way. Red as our time weighted average probability. T-Wop, as we call it, at 66%. Okay, of course the Dolphins won. But the Bears really put in a pretty good showing there. And I think our drive quality scoreboard reflects that. One other is, as we were talking about offline, Cardinals, Seahawks. Which maybe is a segue into one of my favorite parts. But the Seahawks, again, didn't seem like they were really leading for most of the game. And that's reflected. But... They really did dominate the Cardinals, and I think they really are a force in the NFC. That's one thing that stuck out to me, too, as well. Why our earned points metric, the TWAM, the time-weighted average margin, and the TWAP, the time-weighted average win probability metric, can just really fill out the full picture of giving you a sense of how this game played out and provides you with so much more rich information rather than just evaluating a traditional box score. Because this tells you, one, immediately, all right, from the TWAM, the TWAP perspective, this game was actually much closer than the final score, which says that the Seahawks won by 10. But then from an earned points perspective, it says that the Seahawks actually definitively beat the Cardinals. In fact, won by more than 10. So bringing those things together to really give another accurate sense. And we picked the Cardinals last week. We were overweight the Cardinals in the NFL prediction game. Yet at the same time, we've been talking highly about the Seahawks. Last week, you talked about how do we have to change our entire perspective, how we're evaluating not just Geno Smith, but me, Geno Smith is kind of a broader reflection of how we evaluate quarterbacks moving forward. I valued P.J. Walker a little too high last week. He had a really good rating, and then they was playing into a Bengals defense without Jadobi, so without their top cornerback and without their slot cornerback and Mike Hilton. In the first half, he put up zero points, pretty much a devastating offense, I think six total pass yards. Then Baker comes in for the second half and does exactly what I wanted PJ to do, where he drops two or three touchdowns, 155 pass yards, and that's exactly what I expected from PJ and from the Panthers offense. So one thing I'm looking for in this week is I think Bengals, this win isn't really 
all that deserving. I think I'm going to be disrespecting him a lot this week. There's definitely think- been a lot of disrespect on the Bengals on Twitter, writ large, over the course of the season. Now that you brought that game up, I almost take a different conclusion and say we all had a lot of question marks following the Browns game about what this offense can do without our chase. And they put in a really good showing. And if both things can be true, you could be selling the, the Bengals. Uh, and also, this team is not completely dead without chase. And I think that game can prove that. The Bengals, the, the Panthers, not a great football team. Their defense is fine. They're not a they're not a pushover, and they're certainly not as bad as the banged up Falcons secondary, which the Bengals also put up a bunch of points on. I'm actually curious why they're going to still be playing PJ Walker this coming week. I know when we were on the game trade live betting the games, and we started to see the Panthers finally put up points. I was under the impression it was PJ Walker until I looked at it a little bit closer. Like the heck, they brought in. Baker Mayfield, I thought Baker Mayfield was still hurt. Uh, he wasn't even capable of coming in. And that was one of the reasons why P.J. Walker was even yeah. starting the game. I think they so, called up Sam Darnold. They're so all is Sam Darnold active? Yeah. Active. So is this a kind of read between the lines? This team is not trying to win games. Yeah, okay. Let me say that. P.J. Walker's the up, best quarterback? Up until now, P.J. Walker was playing phenomenal. And he throws over. Over 300 pass yards given, he had a 60-yard bomb to DJ to end that game against the Falcons. And then this would be one of the best quarterback matchups you could have, given how hurt this Bengals' pass defense is, and he does nothing with it. So it's just a little miracle spurt that has run its time. Yeah, and we've seen that kind of time and time again in football. Is These are all still pro quarterbacks, so some of the best athletes in the yes. world. They're capable of putting in one or two good performances. And that's actually what makes a really good quality backup. A player who can come in, fill in for one or two games, but be under no illusion that all of a sudden they've become somebody completely new or the next great thing. PJ Walker's another one of those quarterbacks where we have enough tape on him to really understand who he is, what his limitations are. Not necessarily a Geno Smith a phenomenon. But elsewhere, looking at this, it pretty much is broadly consistent with what the final scores actually were. So some of the final thing I would say on this is just, again, looking at some of these TWAMs, the time weight average margins, just some very tight TWAMs. So suggesting there was a lot of very close games. So teams that on average had a lead or for the majority of the game had a lead or a sizable lead that still ended up losing the game outright. Obviously, uh, the Titans, kind of most memorable, but also the Jags, their time weight average margin was minus four. Rams was plus two. Falcons was positive three. What else do we have here? Washington was just minus one. Texans was just minus three. As we mentioned, Seahawks was just plus one. So a lot of very close games that ended up extending in the end. And that exemplifies how much value can really be captured by live betting. You don't capture any of this volatility by doing just the traditional handicapping and evaluating static lines over the course of six days. The only way you capture that is by being active in the markets and live betting. And we had one of our best Sundays of the season this past week and actually did capitalize on a lot of these comebacks. Just to to hammer this home, the time-weighted average margin and time-weighted average probability really go to suggest the volatility inherent in football games and it's easy to lose sight but something like this can drill home and say things weren't so clear from the get-go there was opportunity to eventually get to the winning side and only three blowouts ravens panthers colts 
those are the only time weighted average margins that were significantly blown out. And then yep. also, actually, the last one I would mention, yeah, is the Bills Jets one. Time weighted average margin for the Bills plus three ends up losing that one. Plenty of value, up. plenty of time for the Jets. Really, actually, no. I what I pat us on the back more so as I think it's I was tweeting out was, yeah, was not trying to catch a falling knife on the Bills there. Because for any new to the game, live better, what you might do is just, oh, this is the better team and the line has fallen. So I'm going to try and take advantage of that. But you really have to evaluate how much has that line fallen. And that was the thing. The live line kept hugging the Bills pretty much all game. It was like beyond a full touchdown for 75% of that game. And I was excited that we didn't mm -hmm. fall influence that. Week 10, consensus market power rankings, top five. Bills remain number one. In fact, the top eight are all unchanged, in fact. So not a lot of market moving games this past week. So you have Bills, Chiefs, Eagles, Cowboys, Ravens still round out the top five. And then you have Niners at six, Bengals seven, Bucks eight, Vikings nine, Dolphins at 10. So not a lot of changes on a one week basis. In fact, the largest moves on a one week basis are some of those bottom tier teams. Finally, getting a real sell-off. This is the biggest sell-off we've seen on the Packers. Finally, yeah. down six spots, down to 17. And actually what I love about this, Judah, is the market's downgraded the Packers six spots. Drive quality is actually upgraded. Yep. Because we were already so low, it was 29. Yep. And now they're actually yep. upgraded. Which I was thinking like, okay, the market's going to be quickest to soft on the Packers. And I actually like, of all the NFC teams, I think they actually have the best shot at turning it around. Maybe not now that they lost their entire team to injury, but it's funny that actually draft quality kind of comports to my general outlook. What are your thoughts, Caleb, on the Packers? So they're a very divisive team. Standard deviation, also Caleb, our standard deviation, this gives us a sense of how much disagreement is there across the market on this specific team higher the number the more disagreement and the packers are pretty elevated there espn 18th pff 10th 538 18th football outsiders 21st in predict 19 again we're at the market low at 28th have you made money fading the packers and i don't know are you betting any props to the packers and their office is so pathetic i took rogers last week it did help that they were down in the same sense you could argue that he had one of his worst games he's ever had with the interceptions but i certainly would not put him top 10 like pff did i there's a part of me that knows that aaron Rodgers is still a top 10 quarterback but then you just have guys that are just not performing at the same level lazard comes back and he does well but their depth and receivers, their offensive line is weak. And at one point I put their pass defense pretty high and it's falling outside of their two cornerbacks. So it's hard to pinpoint an issue for this team, but they just keep finding ways to lose rather than win. Brennan, you say there's not a lot of value betting on props. So I'm pretty sure you were all in on the Robert Tanyan over at 11 and a half receiving yards last week. True. And actually, and that was a live prop, especially at halftime when a lot of the games go offline. I really want us to scratch and claw for trying to find some is. props. And I did find that Robert Tanyan prop, but also it was because it was so depressed. And that's why, uh, Caleb, do you do live props? So trying to take advantage of how a game script is materializing or not 
in a specific game and maybe you have a projection for a certain player the game is going awry for one reason or another and then trying to take advantage of how those prop prices change like i will in a sense if it was already a player i was targeting before most mm -hmm. of my current matchup tables will already factor if a team should be playing from behind or not but if i see that and i was already high on this player because of their cornerback matchup or their rush defense matchup and then they had targets and drops or whatever it was and now they're from behind it would be a spot that i would maybe dip more into but typically i'm not looking in the market for new people that i have already scouted before it's a little too much okay. effort for what i currently have <laughs> yeah and actually and i say that it's great that you actually call that out too because that is part of the value premium right now in live betting one of the three d's of what makes a really good live sports better one of them is durability like it, it is a lot of it's effort, exhausting. a lot of energy. It's just sucking away from you. And so much is going on to be able to find all these value plays amongst a deluge of information just inundating you. That's part of that value premium and it's gonna be difficult for a lot of people still. So other biggest one week changers, so again, Green Bay downgraded six spots down to 17th, Giants down three spots to 25th, Saints down two spots to 19th, the Giants, didn't even play. <laughs> Not play. But I guess the aftermath of their last loss continuing to be downgraded relative to other teams repositioning. Saints downgraded to 19th. Our drive quality down to the grade them a spot also now outside the top 10, but actually not as much as maybe you otherwise would have thought. Cardinals downgrade two, Colts downgrade two. Biggest upgrades, Jets up another five spots, now ranked 14th. Creeping up across the board, top 10 for football outsiders now, almost a top 10 for ESPN, PFF market low at 18. I love the Jets. This Jets defense is phenomenal. It's absolutely phenomenal. I bet heavily on Sauce Gardner and I'm heavily on DJ V Jr. to perform just every week. So Gabe okay. Davis under was a big one I was taking. It was 13 yards. So putting them 14th is a little disrespected. I guess they have to prove themselves more a little bit because I also don't think Zach Wilson is that great, especially under pressure, but that defense can withstand any offense in the league. I, I thought that they matched up perfectly against the Bills and losing was not unexpected from a Bills fan. Interesting. Something I'd highlight with the Jets here is that if you actually look at what's being priced in next week, so they're in for decorating, it's 25th. Yeah. So the market says they are 14th, which is the biggest difference. And maybe this is my time to rant a little bit, but something that I think is worth talking about when we talk about power rankings, which is that there's almost a strain of thought which says the spreads are the only kind of way of evaluating fundamental value of a team, how good they are. And I think that's just one market, right? And maybe I'm expressing the value of what we've created here, but what happens in a spread game and the market that is inherent in that is different than say a futures market or a Super Bowl can also be a determinant of team value. And what's happening with the spreads uh, is it is saying, oh, next week the Jets play the Patriots. Zach Wilson has historically struggled against the Patriots. Therefore, we're going to make that same line. It's not a declaration saying the Jets are the 25th best team and the Patriots are the 15th best team or whatever the Infradeck has it at. But rather it's saying, no, there are unique inputs to this spread line that make it different for this market. I think these power rankings can give a better, more holistic overview of what is this team's fundamental value by sourcing in a whole bunch of different metrics and groups that can give us a better full picture. I think the Jets are the 14th, around the 14th best team, our draft quality is them 13. And I think to Caleb's point, their defense has really been good. And Zach Wilson is the thing that's stopping them from even getting higher. Yeah, the Zach Wilson factor that's creating even hesitation on my part 
I know, at least, yeah. from wanting to upgrade them even more meaningfully. We look at the standard deviation, they're definitely one of the higher numbers there, so one of the bigger disagreements. Seahawks still, almost week in, week out, continue to be one of the teams with the highest standard deviations, just yeah. massive disagreements across and the board. And the Jacks. Same thing. The Jacks. There's also yeah. a Twitter discussion today. That, These uh, three teams, the Seahawks, Jags, Titans, almost every, every time, single... Every time, it's like the Titans continue to outperform their record, they do it every year, and what, what does you have to do for us to actually upgrade meaningfully the Seahawks? How is their impact rating 20th? 20th? What, do you need to stop playing at a top one level instead of a top five level? What is fluky about it? There's nothing fluky about it. I just, I don't see why you can predict and say, oh, this is not going to stay the same. And Chino Smith is not the same quarterback. Obviously, the Seahawks are not the same quarterback. And the Jaguars, I guess. They haven't been covering, and their efficiency might look good, but they keep shooting themselves in the foot, and they keep not beating the spread. I can understand why it's a little bit more highly contested with them. Yeah, so our drive quality, if you want to use drive quality as some sort of a leading indicator, we are yeah. a market high on the Bears yeah. at 19th. Market ranked 29th still. And again, broad market agreement that's within that range. ESPN 27, PFF 28th, 538 27, Football Outsiders 28th, Impredict 28th. So the market rating them as a bottom three team, and we can see that as we move into week 10, still not even getting that traditional full three points, being at home versus a division rival like the Lions, which is where we got them now. And they're a bottom th three team as well. Part of the reason I liked them last week was they were ranked 31st. Yeah. It's like, it can't be that bad. They're never actually as bad as people think. And the Texas covered last week too, as a market consensus worst team. I'm loving the Bears, except for their offensive line is absolutely horrendous. Fields is making it work, but that's the only issue I'm really seeing outside of them trading all their players. They're playing pretty well for that defense, but Justin Fields is looking great. Have you been capitalizing on any of these Fields props ahead of the steam that we're starting to see in it? I know I was betting Fields props two or three weeks ago, back when it was still mildly palatable in the 30s, low 40s. Last week, it was Russia. already into the mid-50s. And of course, now he goes for 130 yards. But each time, like it keeps creeping higher and getting harder to stomach. How are you seeing that? I've gone back and forth with him. And when he played Dallas, I faded him completely. And he went under. And then going into Miami, gets some underperforming pass defense and he goes over it which i capitalized on it was interesting i was gonna initially go for mooney but i was intrigued on how chase claypool would work into this offense it was a bit of a dud right you got two catches 30 yards or 20 yards yeah it's interesting because still chase, early too yeah chase claypool's a guy has a really large catch radius and i think he's actually better than what bears fans are expecting him to be but Fields now is m making these throws off the run that he's was struggling to make in the beginning of the season. So fading him in that regards is something I'm gonna try to avoid in the next upcoming weeks because I think he's working really well under pressure. What about Vikings? There's another team, pretty high standard deviation, almost five spots of average disagreement. Drive quality has them ranked ninth. Market consensus rank is also ninth. So pretty much on market there. But across the board, ESPN 12, PFF 8, 538, a market high at 5th. Football Outsiders, a market low at 18th. So some pretty big deviations there. And it almost is really reflective when you ask an average fan or an average sports better their disagreements or their kind of perspective on the Vikings. 
one sees opportunity to the upside, the other sees like massive opportunity to the downside, thinking that they're completely overrated. How are you guys thinking about Vikings? I am definitely thinking the latter. And I, when they play Buffalo this week, it will be something that will be proven. Now, obviously Buffalo is a really strong defensive team, but when you look at the Vikings, I see them more one-dimensional than when they go into Buffalo and you put Justin Jefferson in a slot. He's matched up against Taron Johnson in the wideout. Now, Buffalo welcomes back to Davis White. And I think they're going to really struggle this week. So falling outside of the top 10 is going to happen this week. So Tredavis yeah. White is back this week. I hope so. In a sea of uncertainty, which is the NFL this year, like we know exactly what the Vikings are. Kirk Cousins is the like paradigmatic average quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> are going to allow teams to, when they have a lead, they're going to allow teams back in. And when they're down, they're going to find their way back. It's the same thing every year. But in this NFL environment, that might be top 10. And we know exactly what we're getting with the Vikings. And it's like the most stable part Stability. of the NFL yeah. this year. Yeah, Stability and like that, has a premium this year. Exactly. And I think, Caleb, you're right. There's like a, there's little angles to the upside to say, oh, this is a Super Bowl team. They could have a tremendous regular season and find their way to buy in the playoffs. That's not crazy. Is it likely? No. But placing them in the larger NFL market, the stability of the Vikings is really benefiting them this year. Yeah. I think one of the dangers of fading the Vikings as well is for a team that's 7-1 and one and still barely cracking the top 10, and a football outsider is barely cracking the top 20, the market is hesitant to fully buy in to the Vikings. If you saw 7-1, and one, in the NFC North, I think you're rating this team probably a top five, top four, like blindly. Yeah. But the market is acknowledging that. And in fact, it's discounting them. Before the Josh Allen injury, they were like seven and a half point dogs to, to the yeah. Bills. Let's move on to NFL Week 10, Thursday night game. Falcons down to two and a half at Panthers over under 42 and a half. There might be some weather concerns. I heard very windy, very rainy. What are you thinking about prop wise, Kayla? But there's an island game. Do you try to lean into some of these island games? I like climb down a lot, going deep beyond the surface level. With AJ Terrell still out at their top cornerback, yep. DJ Moore is still very capable. And one guy I've been liking for a long time is Terrace Marshall. And I assume, what's his prop at right now? 35 and a half yards. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Two and a he half was, reception. Which is a, um, interesting because he was higher last week against the Bengals. But I think his matchup is still very good now. He's going against the backup Falcons, who is a part of a defense that has been struggling and they're bottom five in pass ranking. I know Carolina is not very exceptional, but they go from PJ, who favored him a ton, which is the reason why I took him last week, where he had 10 targets the first game. But then Baker comes in and he throws to him for over 50 yards, right? So now I'm just like, oh, it doesn't really matter what Carolina QB they go with because this guy is the WR2 who has the most favorable matchup on the offense. I think he's probably going to be my top look for tomorrow's game. Good insight. What about Corderell Patterson? Obviously, Joe Mixon just destroyed the Panthers. Five touchdowns. Patterson comes back last week. Looks good. His rush yards, 54 and a half right now, receiving yards, over six and a half receiving yards, which seems really low. You see any value there or overpriced? Last week he was supposedly working back from injury and then he had a really good workload. It's interesting to know, to think about where the Falcons will go because there's three running backs right now. Huntley is also a pounder and they have three running backs that are capable. But in a game where Falcons have a really good red zone defense and their defense matches up enough to 
pick Carolina to a game where they should be ahead, that provides a lot of value for Patterson. And it's not going to be really strong in any aspect, slightly stronger in the rush game, but certainly bottom 10 in both departments. I think it's a fair price, especially if he's seen an increased number of snaps. It just depends on if they're going to go for a committee this week or not. I think that's right. The snaps last week, Patterson played 24, Alger 23, monthly 13. It's, it's almost a question of snap counts. I will say though, Props are definitely the way to attack this game because I want nothing to do with the, uh, the spreader total. Have you thought about any sort of SGP yet for this? No, PJ Walker is playing and the weather is okay for uh, for deep passes. I can lean into DJ Moore catches long touchdown. Well, both these teams are kind of explosive, so it'll lead to some fireworks. Seahawks, Bucks, Seahawks out to a full plus three now on DraftKings. A little bit juiced. Let's open to short one has been creeping up over the course of the week. Market still believing in the Bucks as a top 10 team. Drive quality down that 18th and still not wanting to buy into the Seahawks fully. Still market consensus power ranked 16th. Drive quality has the Seahawks top, as a top six team. Football Outsiders has them as a top five and Football Outsiders has been ahead of that trend. But this is in Germany. This is in Germany. This would seem like Seahawks, if, if, especially if you're getting the three. I just said on the forecast, famous last words, this is my favorite alt-line play of the year. By a lot. <laughs> By a lot. So you think the Seahawks are just going to destroy the Bucks? Uh, I just, I, the Bucks are not good. I think it's a material mispricing in every yeah. such way. And I have a very good sense of what's being sourced and what's being priced in and i want to fade that so hard you can cite any efficiency metrics i've got a few and i wrote this up on pff uh but our drive quality has them six versus 18. the seahawks are eighth in epa the bucks are 21st seahawks score on 44 percent of their drives the bucks 35 that's the difference of like fifth best versus 20th best the seahawks punt on only 30 percent of their drives seventh best the bucks 26th you get the idea that the seahawks are better but here's what i was particularly strong in this case is that the Seahawks are a team full of rookies. In the same way that we just talked about how Justin Fields has improved, that makes sense. Second-year quarterbacks get better as the season goes along. In the same way that the Seahawks were starting Abraham Lucas and Charles Cross, both rookies at their tackle positions, they're going to get better as the season goes along. That's what happens with rookie players. They're also starting Tariq Willen and Kobe Bryant, quarterbacks. They're going to get better as the season goes along. The opposite is true of Tampa Bay. Chris Godwin's not getting any better Mike Evans is not getting any better. The both are getting more hurt. They're old and they're banged up, right? Like we should expect that there is some signal in an older team like the Bucks getting worse. And that's exactly yeah. the picture that's kind of painted. The Seahawks have gotten better in drive quality, EPA, whatever efficiency metric you choose. And the Bucks have gotten worse. So ultimately, what does this come down to? It's the same thing I've been saying every single week on this stream, which is the Bucks have fundamental issues. It's not that like Brady's not playing well. They have just some serious flaws, namely, what I think most sticks out is that they're facing perfect coverage 50% of the time, which would have been the worst mark in the NFL. If the Panthers weren't the worst in the NFL, this is the second worst mark of the last four years since we started tracking this. And it's a reflection of a scheme that can't get guys open and receivers who themselves can't win separating. Added to the fact that this is a dreadful run offense. These problems aren't just going away. You can't just wish that away. And the yeah. best part about this is it's two-sided. Right? It's like the Seahawks are still being downgraded as if Geno Smith isn't playing to a top five rate, as if the Seahawks offense is not playing well, as if the Seahawks defense isn't getting better. I don't see why this is such a huge mispricing when I think actually the Bucks 
are the 20th best team and the Seahawks are the sixth best team not flipped. Everyone wants to deny their eyes and hold on very strongly to the preseason priors that the Seahawks suck and the Bucks are going to be elite and it's taken half the season and they're still not really adjusted for who these it's teams are. The yeah. Bucks just beat the Rams, who were also very low on. Barely squeaked by. Time-weighted average margin was still negative two. And we have yeah. the Rams ranked 25th. It's, it almost perpetuates on itself, which is like the Bucks, Rams, and Packers are all really bad. And they started so high, and it's just we're slow to adjust based on prior information, for better or for worse. And it's all, they beat the Rams. The Rams are okay. No, Rams are terrible. Two really bad teams played last Sunday, and the results showed. And I don't understand how the Bucs are still being priced the way they are. What I actually loved about Geno Smith, actually, was through the pick six, and then right after that led back-to-back 13-play, 75, 80-yard drives for touchdowns. Nice bounce back. What about you, Caleb? How are you planning on attacking this game in any particular way? Leaning into any Ken Walker props? Yeah, love that dude. That dude looks like a beast. Oh, yeah. What a dog. I would say the only thing that kind of concerns me is that Geno's for the last couple of weeks gone through some easier pass defenses and now is going into a, a top 10 Tampa Bay unit with Jamel Dean. And so that's concerning. This is the week I'm expecting to see Leonard Fournette lose his job to Rashad White. He runs really hard through the third round pick. And I think now will be the first game of the season where he's going to outsnap Leonard Fournette. Hold on, I like that. Yeah, that's a good call out. So you think so attacking some of those white props? as a way to capitalize on that. And under Fournette. Yes. And make a good point, too, about some of the defenses that Geno Smith's played. So you're looking at Cardinals, Giants, Chargers, Cardinals, the last four games. Elsewhere, Lions, Falcons. Really the best defense that he's faced thus far has been Denver and San Francisco. In two games, they actually are probably some of his work. Yeah, Denver is easily the most formidable that he will face. He's had four weeks of pretty poor pass defense. Cardinals twice. What was it? Falcons. I don't think the Cardinals are too bad. Yeah. I don't don't think they're lighting the world on fire, but I think they're a formidable defense. Right? He's not facing the Lions every week. One thing that's interesting is that overall, they're like ranked pretty poorly, but I've seen that against the top two wide receivers of a team they're ranked actually pretty hot which is a very they're getting killed by tight ends yeah so that was it, it's not I'm a sure you've noticed that but yeah it's, this will be one that i think might take him a little bit to adjust to but seahawks are definitely as judah said definitely undervalued this game again is in germany so there's always that x factor of weirdness that can create some uncertain elements. Vikings at the Bills down to three and a half now. So it's obviously increasingly pricing in the fact that Josh Allen is not going to play. It's going to be Case Keenum. Revenge game versus the Vikings. Come off. Even with, so you don't think the Vikings have value versus Case Keenum. That the supporting cast, the fact that it's still on the road. I'd so much prefer to bet this live. I gotta get a little sniff of what the offense is gonna like. Are they gonna run the ball a lot more? Does that change the entire nature of the Bills? Offense, I, I need to see it. Honestly, not a bad backup compared to a lot of teams. Very capable, but definitely a better matchup for the Buffalo offense than it was last week. And Buffalo defense, if they can shut out Jefferson, it is more of a question of can Case Keenum put any points on the board just to win in a little sad defensive game and just hope that their defense can hold Minnesota to less than, say, 14, 17 points. Yeah. I like that angle. The Vikings is 
probably just a stay away to your point Jude. i think there's way better of a game to bet live i think anyone betting minnesota is just playing it from a single angle which is just no josh allen huge downgrade case keenum three and a half still getting the hook whereas the vikings again put only seven points on the board versus washington through 80 percent of that game and they've just looked clunky all season and the bills obviously still have talent still very well coached the whole thing's a little weird from the buffalo side i think alan is pretty serious i think it's being downplayed and i'm gonna yeah you're talking about maybe leaning some division futures to yeah i bet division futures i already gained some value when they reposted the lines yeah, i'd be worried about the ucl he's previously missed time with it Knowing from baseball, it's a line of minor injury. The whole strikes me as well. All right, Texans at Giants. Texans plus four and a half. This was bet down from an influential better on the Texans, bringing it down from six or so. In New York, over under 41. Texans dealing with their own kind of banged up injuries. Pierce is on the injury report. Maybe Cooks is coming back, but where is his head? I don't see a buy sign on the Texans here. They have the 10 days rest, but Giants are coming off a bye, so mitigated. It's also pretty noisy in general. Very noisy. Yeah. The trend that is quickly forming is just how terrible Houston's rush defense is. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure that when I look through my charts that Saquon's gonna be graded the highest of any running back. And Sanders and that whole committee goes well and Derek Henry runs for 200 as he does every time he faces the Texans. So Saquon now rested, who's been running phenomenally this year and should be in a game where he's up, will probably be the guy that I could easily see going for 120, 130. I think this is a way that if you want to play, again, the tail outcome of that with Barkley is like doing one of those SGPs and getting the plus money on Barkley over 115 yards or something like that, plus 180 or something. Right now it's 93 and a half, juiced, minus 125 on DraftKings is his rushing yards prop. Jags, Chiefs, Jags plus nine and a half. Our Jags, Judah, that we keep betting almost every single week. We cashed the tickets, definitely made up for a lot of the uh, losses and heartbreak that we've had over the course of the season this yeah. week. Leaning yeah. into them more and more as they were going down. Again, showed flashes of the same old Jags. I posted a few clips of me like pulling my hair out about them tumbling <laughs> at the one yard line. I think the most animated I got all year was when the Jags missed that field goal. Most animated <laughs> in the negative sense. Can the Jags win this one straight up? Or is this, obviously the Chiefs did not look good at all last week, classic dud of a game from the Chiefs that you see two or three times from them every single year, especially versus the Titans. The thing is, what I don't like about the Chiefs is I don't like the Chiefs margin. I will never bet the Chiefs at margin. This yeah. one for me is a stay away Chiefs. I want to bet the Jags. If I had not lost or made any money on the Jags, this was week one. I would love the Jags. Yep. And it's still just a little bit of my own butt hurtness speaking <laughs> that gives me any hesitation. Otherwise, I'd be loving I mean, Betting them circa. Yeah, I'm coming down with the strong fist there. Oh, yeah, you gotta lean to the numbers here. Caleb, were you hot on the Jaguars? So Jaguars were, was a very hot preseason team. Do you have elevated expectations for them in the beginning of the year? Every single week, I think I still value them too high. Um, but I love their receivers <laughs> and I love ETN. I think T-Law is better than he was last year. Will they beat the Chiefs? Probably not. I don't even think they'll be that close, but Chiefs defense is falling pretty hard. I think they're a good enough pass rushing team though to make Trevor uncomfortable. 
And with their top cornerback being Rodarius Sneed, matching up perfectly with Christian Kirk in the slot, that's a really tough thing for Jags to get by. Definitely a stay away game because the Chiefs are always just high spreads and I just board them in general. But if I was going to go somewhere, I expect ETN to keep running. And maybe that's enough where the game has long drives to where Jags can hang in that margin. I think leaning into Jags alt line here, I definitely love. Jags plus three and a half plus 183. I like it. Yeah. I don't hate Jags plus minus three plus 454, especially if you're expecting the Jags potentially to start a little bit hot and the Chiefs steps to start a little bit slow which kind of is historically the precedent. I just wait for this live line to drip lower. Again, live lines always love to hang on to teams like the Chiefs, like the Bills. So it'll probably take a while for the line to meaningfully fall. That's another way you could potentially play that. And when you got a plus 454, you got a lot of budget to play around. Here's the truth. I can see the Jaguars winning this game. I think there's an angle for that to happen, which certainly means I like the nine and a half. Five and a half, it's plus 600. It's a little intriguing uh, on FanDuel. At least for the, the leverage. Browns plus three and a half at Miami. This one seems actually pretty steep. Three and a half reduced juice leaning towards four on DraftKings. My initial impression here is lean Brown. This is a live spot for me. I'm curious why you say Brown. Miami is one of those good, one of those teams that you really. You know, if you really want to leverage up on a specific view, because we've seen those games where the Dolphins offense just starts lighting it up. Wait, as you mentioned on the live stream, wait till after those scripted plays, don't get romanced by the first two drives, because that's going to be noisy. It's going to be potentially misleading. But once you're out of those first two, first 15 plays, and you get a sense of, is this going to be the Dolphins team that scores 17 points, 20 points? Then kind of maybe just lay off. Man, they're rolling. Bet the Waddle Pops. Bet the hill props, just lean into them. And even like starting off, I almost feel like rolling dice, especially for you, dude, who's already made a ton of money on the Dolphins on SGPs, for the plus 800s, plus 1800s, to a hill yeah. waddle kind of. I go too. Three and a half just seems like a lot for a team that, for a team like the Browns who have, outside of like the Patriots game of them just getting demolished, that, that was really, really looked ugly. They've yeah. been competitive. In every game. The main redeeming quality of the Miami defense is their rush defense, and that seems to be exactly what Cleveland leans towards. If Njoku is back, then Brissett could certainly have a good game. Do we know, do you know if Denzel Ward's going to be back? That's a good question. But he's coming back. Season, he's underperformed from his yeah, Coming back, missed the last three games with the concussion. He's back, though. Yeah, I don't really have a certain lean on this game i just know that as far as defenses dolphins defense matches up better but i do think Brissett is certainly capable to target their past defense their struggling past defense. It's something we've talked about from day one with the dolphins matchups on both sides of the ball play a ton yeah. of man coverage yeah and they're so reliant on their wide receivers winning yeah, i do think you're right to identify that the browns don't really have the wide receivers to take advantage of where the dolphins are weakest Although I think David Njoku could get spell some trouble, assuming he's back. Also, I really want to. Play this is this a very line. elevated total, forty-eight and a half. That maybe a potential if yeah. you think that there's going to be a quieter Dolphins game, and the Browns aren't it's, necessarily going to be able to take advantage of the Dolphins defense under forty-eight and a half. Yeah, but it's hard to bet on the Dolphins. There are certain teams who could go off for thirty-five any week. Yeah. I just I don't want to bet on a team. The Dolphins have that potential every week. And I want to kind of see how the game plays out before I make that. All right, Broncos plus two and a half at Tennessee. I saw this hit three. Now it's coming lower. Two and a half still elevated juice. 
Actually, this is the lowest total on the board at 37. Is Tannehill, I assume, is coming back? I really liked actually what I saw out of the few, I don't know, what was it, like six throws from Malik Willis. <laughs> he had some that were dropped. He threw some dimes there. He has a very big problem with processing speed. If there's a little bit of a rush, he either wants to run or he has no idea what to do. Also, obviously has terrible wide receivers who are probably not getting any separation whatsoever. But I was pleasantly surprised from what I saw from him. Man, if the Titans weren't five and three and actually still being competitive, could potentially still win the division, I would love if they moved to Willis or due to the Saints hybrid type thing. It started to leverage more of Willis. Man, dude, when that guy turns the corner and starts to run, he looks like a Josh Allen type, like linebacker moving with speed. Our drive quality has favored the Broncos more, so it's less true. Half the season has actually gone along. I just, I want to fade the Titans and their reliance on Derrick Henry. I think that the, the Broncos will be able to slow them down, especially if Ryan Tannehill is in and not 100%. And Ryan Tannehill's mobility actually does matter. It's a funny thing to talk about because he doesn't strike you as the biggest runner, but like they do use him on option plays. And I think this is something that we're, we're starting to learn more about. Is the, Henry's performances in recent weeks, I think a lot have a lot to do with Malik Willis and kind of the gravity that a rushing quarterback like Malik Willis offers to it and presents to a defense where linebackers are going to freeze. I also, I want to buy the Wilson deep ball variants. I think this is going to make a great clip when Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton catch a 60-yard touchdown in a game with such a low total. I think that's the difference. I'm intrigued about Denver's pass defense. I know they lost Darby a couple weeks ago, but they're still holding on to that number one spot, which is certainly not the Titans' strength, but is something where now they can kind of load the box and be comfortable with the cornerbacks that they leave out. I do believe that Tennessee in this game is valued a little higher due to their Chiefs performance. One thing that I was looking to target in this game was I'm waiting for Melvin Gordon to be weaned out, weaned out of Denver's offense. And I think this is a good week for that to happen. I don't think he will perform very well. And Latavius Murray, and someone I'm really high on is Mike Boone, though the team's not very high on, but I think Latavius Murray will have a very successful performance in relation. What about to Chase Edmonds? Ooh, yeah, Chase Edmonds. New acquisition. Not really that strong of a runner, more of a pass back. Right. That is very interesting. That's a good Those question. Models backfield even yeah. more. Yeah, running back committees are always just something I avoid for obvious reasons. But I think Melvin Gordon is probably the weakest of those three. Lions plus three at Chicago. This is now two the three. Was one early in the week. It was one on the look ahead. It's creeped up. Now it's crept up to a cheap three for the Bears. Reduced juice. I like the Bears here pretty definitively. One for the reasons that you mentioned when we were evaluating the market consensus rankings, Judah which is, I don't think the market's properly pricing yet the field's phenomena. I think everyone's very well aware of it, but it's not bleeding through to pricing quite yet. I think it's feeding its way through props first. It's getting elevated pricing there, but not bleeding through to the game level yet. Justin Fields rushing yards over under 58 and a half. So it's about five yards higher than it was last week which was about 10 yards higher than it was the previous week the thing is i don't even know why i'd much rather if you're gonna play a field rush might as well just lean into some of the alt lines over 85 yards plus 200 or something just really lean into that script and we know the yeah. lions defense is still one of the worst in the league maybe it's not historically bad 
But simply playing well against the Packers is not necessarily indicative of any material change. Although they did also shut down the Cowboys for about 60% of that game. Some improvement from that defense. But I think the Bears are certainly more than capable of exploiting their weaknesses. And I liked it much more so under the three. I think Bears Lions in Chicago should be three pretty much any season. And so I feel less strongly about it at the three. But if you get it under three, I definitely like Bears. This is uh, volatility central, I think. Yeah. Bad defenses, offenses who put up explosive plays. I'm looking to bet this live and keep flip-flopping the sets. I'm hoping people think that Detroit's defensive unit is better than it is after it picked off Rodgers three times because almost for the first time this season that Chicago's offense is now actually having an advantage. So I'm really excited to see how Fields uses that because he's always been an dog and going against really hard teams. And now he will have the least pass rush presence that he has felt so far. I just watch it and just enjoy it. Just because I kind of have a bias to him and I just being from Chicago. Yeah, I actually always, for that reason, in fact, try to avoid having exposure on Bears games because I will lose money. But I think this is actually, obviously there's such a bias towards Fields running and not passing. Fields over one and a half passing touchdowns versus a weak defense plus 190. Especially since we know the Bears, one of the better scripted teams in the NFL. Saints, minus one and a half at Pittsburgh. This was two and a half. I bet this on the look-ahead line because it was Saints minus one. I thought the Saints were going to look a lot better versus the Ravens, assuming this was going to go up to a field goal. I saw it reach down two and a half, but now it's back down to one and a half. Again, on the road, total 40. I think I still like the Saints. Me too. I want to see if TJ Watt ends up playing. From what I'm reading, it looks like TJ Watt is going to play. So that's definitely meaningful since he definitely Yeah, I'm a little him. less bullish. And that's probably, maybe that's what's moved this down that point. Yeah. I love this Saints defense, but with TJ Watt back in, I don't know. I love Levi Wallace when he was on the Bills. I still like him as a cornerback. I like Nick Fitzpatrick. I, it would be very hard to see either of these offense, either of these pass offenses being successful against these opposing cornerbacks. So... Props could be a fading of a receiver, but overarching, it's just going under in this total. Yeah, actually, I don't know. Maybe I do want to lay off this one because unless he's going to be limited in some way, shape, or form, one of the things we talked about in the preseason preview a lot, it's actually very well documented, is the splits with on-off with TJ Watt. And he dramatically changes the impact of that defense. And Saints are still vulnerable to a very strong pass rush. I don't like Dalton under pressure. And unlike your thesis on Geno Smith, Judah, like I don't think yeah. that is applicable to someone like Andy Dalton. He is who he is, and he'll be able to put in some good performances, but then he'll be able to put in bad performances. It's exactly what he did in the late stages of his career with the Bengals. It's what he did with the Bears last season as well. He looked good, and he looked bad. Yeah, with Dalton. It's a sensitivity to pressure. I'm also curious to see if the Saints are fully, like they've got a ton of injuries. I want to see if Marshawn Lattimore's back, if Travis Landry's back. I think it's a spot I'm currently lying off, but I can definitely see myself leaning into some alts, basically on the assumption that nothing's materially changed from last year. Colts plus six at the Raiders. Colts looked miserable, fired their coach, fired their office coordinator the week before that. We're cashing our under tickets. We can just cash it. They should just pay us out, in fact. What the heck? Stop sitting on it. I don't think it's hard to want to touch the Colts. I feel like this is not enough points quite yet. 
can't touch the Colts right now. <laughs> it's truly gambling by betting on the Colts. Yeah, the Colts are just a terrible team, horrible football team. Yeah, I guess I would be inclined to bet on Josh Jacobs, but then Colts that's their strength on defense, even though they're most certainly going to be down. So I just look at this game and I gag and then I move on. I like this as a teaser, like for sure. A home game for the like Raiders against Raiders a dysfunctional. Down. A dysfunctional Colts team that doesn't have interest in winning right now? Typically, I love to lean against a common narrative that's being cited for anybody and anyone who's betting on this game. But I just don't know if six is enough. Like, essentially, if you like the Colts, if you want to gamble on the Colts, do you think you're going to get a better line live than plus six at some point in time? Yes. I think absolutely yes. for sure. Yeah. Gamble then. Cowboys at the Packers. Now, again consistent with what we saw from our consensus market power rankings. Packers down and graded six spots this week, down to 17. And our drive quality actually upgraded one spot. Packers now plus five in Lambeau. This is a clear season low for the Packers. Total over under 43. Packers are now dealing with injuries on top of both now defensive injuries as well. Rashawn Gary, out air stokes also out just feel like this is you still haven't caught the bottom yet in the packers and the cowboys wow. run away with this or wow. but i feel like any kind of square sharp better has to be betting the packers here and again i'm not saying that's a, that's, a, that's a bad reason i'm just saying i feel like this is oh this is just too many points packers and lambo it's over plus three now you're getting a few extra points Got a bit back. I, I thought I was gonna have to talk you off of Green Bay. That's like trying to buy the dip. I'm glad we agree on the fact uh, actually I think this thing's gonna ship a little lower first. Yeah, I would be all over the Cowboys. They're I love their pass defense. And oh, if Rodgers goes off a Detroit game, now I know that he's a lot, some of those interceptions are not his fault, and I do still think of him as a phenomenal quarterback, but the Dallas pass defense unit is so much stronger. Top five in the league. And one thing that the Packers did against the Bills was they just turned entirely to a run game. Yeah. So I'm intrigued if I can get away with going against Aaron Rodgers this week after taking him last week and hoping that either the pass defense is good enough or that they just go full Aaron Jones again. I think the question also is, has the market responded to the Cowboys yet? We don't have a lot of deck games. And I think they can legitimately be a great offense like they were last year. Also see them as like a team that can really blow the Packers. The Packers are really bad, or as bad as their drive quality suggests at 28th, especially for the hurt team. And Dallas really runs up scores, which makes it an intriguing all spot, especially if Dallas jumps out to a big lead early you can probably get a middle because the line's going to move quickly with Dallas. Yeah. Tony yeah, Dubs was in a walking boot. Aaron Jones was in a walking boot. And we know Dubs one of those newer wide receivers that Rodgers was actually demonstrating a little bit of chemistry with. I know after the Bills game, I was talking about how I feel like they took next step in the broader development of chemistry. And then he gets hurt and misses. I, I took his longest reception prop. He has a... 18-yard catch on the first the play of the game, half a yard short of the drop, and doesn't play. <laughs> All right, Cardinals at Rams. Cardinals plus one and a half. Division game, very critical if the Cardinals want to maintain any sort of competitiveness in the division and in the season. 
writ large. We're yeah. starting to see some clunky Cardinals performances, similar to what we saw last year, even with DeAndre Hopkins back now. The one of the things that I'm kind of sad about why we picked, you know, Cardinals again. Cardinals have been a team that we've actually lost a lot on this year. Yep. Drive quality hates them. <laughs> Th- yep. Ranks Cardinals 30th clear market low. Football Outsiders actually pretty close. So actually has the Cardinals ranked 29th to market consensus rank on the Cardinals is 23. Again, asterisk. Most of the, that is backwards looking. Doesn't have DeAndre Hopkins. But he wasn't a meaningful contributor versus the Seahawks. Pretty much went under all his props as well. There's some big injury news here. Both Matthew Stafford and Kyler Murray's statuses are in depth. Stafford of the concussion protocol and Kyler missing with an injury. Then the under 41 and a half. Seems wonderful if you have two backups, but I doubt that would be the case. If Stafford's in concussion protocol, especially with the sensitivity around that now. It seems days. like he's not going to play. Yeah. I don't like either of these teams. <laughs> I just, I, the Rams are, are so underperforming and cards have this O-line issue that Kyler can't really get past. I've been fading Allen Robinson for a long time. Cardinals and their cornerback duo. I just expect another volume, high volume slot for Cooper. And I think Allen Rob would probably be my only fade in this game. Chargers plus seven. At the Niners, Sunday night football. What's the injury news on Mike and Keenan? Yeah, they're both going to be out. I targeted Palmer a lot every time one of them's out. And he's done well so far, but now Tarverius Ward is a very formidable opponent. I feel like the spread is pretty accurate given the weapons that Chargers have. I guess Carter would be the only Chargers receiver that could do a little something, assuming Herbert is throwing for. 250 plus this total looks high 45 and a half given the Niners defense given the Chargers offensive woes and we saw tons of drops in the previous game both from Everett and Palmer some of them leading to turnovers first not necessarily an opportunistic defense at all (laughs) from Atlanta and still barely squeaked out the win and now going up against obviously a much more formidable foe Chargers have already shown a propensity to get demolished got demolished by the Jags got demolished by the Seahawks I think the line is fair yeah I wouldn't bet the seven I would bet Niners all if you like Niners just looking back I was in week three last year when I bet the Chargers against the Chiefs as touchdown underdogs I said I do not think there will ever be an instance of Stanley Herbert's seven point dogs but I think it's warranted in this mm-hmm. one. I do. I'm not as enthusiastic about the Niners alts as you are. Only because I think Herbert keeps them in the game, no matter what. But I, I don't know if it's Herbert's MO to lead teams back or whatnot. Because again, like, well, I got demolished by the Ravens last year. Got demolished down. by the Texans last year. This yeah. team gets them up. They get demolished by the Texans last year. They lost by one. Get them up. They, they lost did. by like 20 when Rex Burkhead put up like 200 yards rushing or something on the ground with them. 40, 41, 29. Either way, in recent weeks, it's been Chargers go down 14 nothing, 10 nothing. they come back. Yeah, it's fair. It's fair. And I guess they, they do have the, the wheels to come off, but I think those games were a function of daily variance going the wrong way, and we haven't had any of that this year. It was yeah. like, they failed. That was more so a consequence last year. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and I don't think we had that last year. Like, they're playing a more conservative. Yeah, now they're just bad this year. <laughs> they're just not good, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, just totally Which is worse. 
Rex Burkhead did have 22 carries for 149 yards and two touchdowns last year. I don't know. Yeah, I, I would say again, like the other part of it is just I, I don't know if I necessarily like the Niners to necessarily be the type of team to run away with this particular game from the offensive side, which is why I think another uh, proxy playoff off that narrative potentially playing out is playing the under. Wasn't it? It was like 46 and a half Niners Chiefs. Yeah. Obviously, I had a much more explosive offense. Yeah. Even playing into your thought process, Judah, the Chargers defense not being as bad as maybe the market mm -hmm. price. I wonder if McCaffrey props have gotten out of control. I don't see any any up yet. Monday Night Football, Commanders, plus 10.5 at Philly, over under 44. We haven't really made any money on the Eagles this year. <laughs> They've covered a lot of numbers. We weren't low on the Eagles, but have been pretty reticent to necessarily buy into them at any point in time. So that's cost us. But... I don't know, this seems like a little bit high. Again, given a, a, a season where there is a lot of parity and now we're even seeing some of those top tier teams not covering spreads as those spreads reach elevated levels. I don't know if I like Washington enough to necessarily bet them, but I, I'm not, I, I am once again, not betting the Eagles. Yeah, this was a similar scenario to the Texans where they had their high spread, low total. Eagles pasty continuing to look phenomenal. They're strong all the way to their slot corner. So I don't expect Heineke to do anything. McLaren has an issue on both sides of the field with Bradbury and Slay. And then Samuel with Maddox, who was a, the whole starting cornerback last year and now is their third stringer. That's just how phenomenal that defense is. Eagles to continue being undefeated. So you think maybe yeah. under 44? Yeah. I mean, way to play that but I will say that one thing I targeted for the Texans, which could be almost similar for commanders, is that Eagles promote this this running back committee and Gainwell has seen a significant increase in carries. <sighs> He's been running really well. So I, I do like Gainwell a lot. Good call out, actually, because Judah... Uh, Arjun, also one of our buddies, was in town in New York last week, and we watched that thriller Eagles-Texans game together, and uh, we actually were betting the Gainwell props, which he hit easily. Easy. Yeah. So, really? Yeah, good call out there. Yeah, we took him rushing-receiving combined over 21 and a half yards. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think he did it rushing alone. Yeah, good call. I think looking into Gainwell props is another way potentially take advantage of this all right that wraps up our nfl week 10 market outlook a lot of insights a deeper board this week than i had expected kind of the games kept, kept going and going thanks for joining caleb and offering us a lot of your prop insights that was awesome thanks everyone for listening we'll see you on sunday during game trade caleb i don't know if you've ever joined us during that i know you don't necessarily lean into the live betting but definitely join us that's the time like, yeah, I've seen your guys' clips. So yeah, yeah, it's super fun and profitable. And that's why it would be awesome to have some more specialist who has their eye on that because that is where there is some of the juiciest opportunities and certainly some of the most mispriced risks because there's just not a lot of eyes on it. And yeah, thanks everyone for listening. See you on Sunday during game trade, live betting. And that's closing bell.